All right, welcome to the Inspiring You Show, where we shine a light on healing whole health in our lives. We believe that in healing your story, you can transform your life. We're here to provide hope, tips, tools, resources, and a community so no one feels alone on this journey called life. I'm Henry, an intuitive empath, mindfulness meditation teacher, dowsing and Reiki master teacher, and energy healer. This, my friends, is a vibrational experience, a remembering of the truth of who we are. Content is light encoded to assist you on your journey if you wish to receive for your highest good. Welcome to the show, everyone. So today we have a very special guest, Carol Doherty. She's a dear friend of mine. We met many, many years ago, many moons ago, um, while we were training under the same intuitive energy healer. Since then, we have taken many classes together, and I feel like we really met in our version of Harry Potter's Hogwarts school. She is one of my Reiki and dowsing partners. So this means when our humans need some extra support, then and we can't quite see the blockage that's happening and we're in it, we really assist one another by sending Reiki or dowsing for each other. And I really appreciate Carol as a friend and as a dowsing and Reiki partner. It really helps to have these types of support systems where you have a healthy give and take and support of one another. So Carol is a healer. She is a physician assistant and energy practitioner. For over 20 years, Carol has studied medicine, Reiki, crystal work, dowsing, and intuitive coaching. Carol's healings are unique in that she works on both the physical and energetic plane. Carol has a special desire to help athletes. Her love of sports really inspires her to find what's next and what's preventing athletes and also just anyone from li really living their most authentic life. Carol is here when you're ready to transform and really find love of your life. So welcome, Carol. Thank you, Henry. Good seeing you. See you too. All right, so let's dive right in. So for many years as a physician assistant, you have been, let's just say, in a traditional Western medicine world. Yet what drew you to energy work? Like, why did you get into it? Um, I, it was interesting because I think looking, looking back, uh, my very, very first book I ever read was You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And I was given that book to a girlfriend at the time when I started physician assistant school. So really, I've been studying both modalities for the past since 1999, um, over 20 years. Um, and I just felt that when you treat medicine and you, you treat somebody, you have to treat the whole body. So that includes the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspect of somebody when they come in with a pain or an ailment or a disease. Um, and that's really where I got my start. And I've just been adding more tools to my toolkit since 1999. Wow. Amazing. So how has then energy healing helped you specifically? Um, I think it's helped me because, um, throughout the course of your life, you always run into challenges. We all do. And sometimes they just can't be transmuted or fixed or healed or whatever your word you would like to use, um, from the mental brain. Sometimes you really have to go inward into the emotional body and really examine and take a look at what's the core wound that you're really dealing with. And when you look at the core wound, sometimes that is being manifested in the physical body. And so until you really research and fix and heal that core wound, it's just going to manifest itself in different ailments in your body until you really look at it and heal it. And that's the thing that I've looked at for myself 
Um, I've had several surgeries. I've had, um, being an athlete, I've had several knee surgeries and, and in the beginning, I thought, well, wow, you know, I'm having this knee pain because I've had a surgery and I've come to realize that it's really more about the sadness of why I had the surgery and what that meant for my career and the emotions that were trapped in my knee, not just from some scar tissue that I thought it was from the medical point of view, but really looking at it, really realizing there's something else going on there. And I really need to take a look at that and see if I can heal it on that level. And if it will make my knee pain go away. So then in terms of you were an athlete, what type of athlete were you? Uh, multi-sport. I played um, volleyball, soccer, and softball in high school. And then I played softball at the collegiate level. And so then when did you first have this knee um, situation happen? I hurt my knee my junior year of high school. So it cut out most of the sports in my junior year. And then I was able to come back and play softball my senior year. And then I took two years off in college. Then I played the last two years of college. And how did that then, um, in terms of what was happening in high school, did you do like a, a reflection back that there may have been going on something in high school? Because you mentioned D Louise Hay. Louise mm -hmm. Hay, in specifically that book, she talks about disease, dis-ease of the mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming then you had in a reflection looking back that the knee, like what does the knee represent? And was there a situation that happened at that time in terms of what may have been called in for you? It's interesting because I'm also a Capricorn and Capricorns are the goat. And we like a very, um, we like stable stability, but we're also climbers. And the knee is one of the, um, the, the points in the body that can be affected a lot by Capricorns, which I didn't realize at the time. But looking back, I think um, my life was a little chaotic in high school and I was really searching for stability and I really thought I had found it in sport. And in my mind, I had a dream that, you know, I was going to go play softball at like UC Santa Barbara or, or UCLA or, or one of the other UC schools. And that's kind of where I was headed. And then my knee surgery happened. And I think that derailed the life that I thought I was going to have. And it really made me take a look at my life and think, I'm looking for stability in outside sources, and I'm not looking for stability within myself. And so that knee surgery really, it took away my opportunities to have a scholarship for sport because I wasn't playing um, 100% my senior year. So I had to think about, okay, if I can't go to these two schools because of on a scholarship because of my knee, where's my next step? What am I gonna do next? And that took me on a whole different path where I ended up with at Cal Lutheran University, which is not where I thought I would end up going to college. And so then what kind of insight did that open up to you at such a young age? Um, I think I realized at that point um, in the beginning, it was really hard for me because I was very sad because the life that I thought I was going to have is actually over. Um, but looking back at it as an adult, I think, wow, you know, I really did need to kind of go to a smaller liberal arts college. I don't know if I would have done as well at UCLA um, or UC Santa Barbara. I think I needed that small, uh, small collegiate college to allow myself to be feel safe and to find my own footing. And so I think it was a, it was a blessing in disguise, as they say. So it was interesting because you've used um, that step and now footing, right. which I so appreciate. And then also it was, um, you said it was a Lutheran school. Correct. So was there some basis of spirituality that you had to then partake in? Um, at that college, no, it was not required. 
Um, I'm not actually Lutheran, but it was one of the schools that my father really wanted me to go through. I grew up very religious in my household and my daughter, my, my daughter, my dad felt very comfortable sending his daughter to a Lutheran college if she was going to move out of the house. So when I went to Cal Lutheran, it is a, it was a dry campus at the time. I still believe it is. Um, but going to chapel was not required, but you did have to take a certain number of religious courses, uh, which I really liked. And so I ended up getting a minor in religious studies as well as psychology, which was my, my major study. Um, so I really liked my time there at Cal Lutheran. And I think that having that knee issue really allowed me to find my own voice at a smaller college, which I don't know if I would have done, um, at a bigger school. And what's also interesting is that in terms of your relationship with your dad, him sending you out into the bigger world, if you will, and safety, which goes back into the groundedness and the alignment in terms of footing, right? Which the knee, the stability, and also just your, um, at that point, did you, in terms of your um, elementary and high school, what kind of experience did you, were you in for schooling? I was at a public school. Um, It's very interesting. My, um, I grew up out in Bakersfield outside of Los Angeles. Um, it's a very conservative town. Um, I was one of, now I know two um, gay people at my high school, um, which was a very interesting thing to grow up in religion in a conservative town, being gay. Um, and so I have a lot of, um, I think it made me who I am today, but I have a lot of, um, I don't know. I think I have a lot of trauma related to it just not feeling accepted and not feeling like I fit in, which is why I really wanted to leave and go away to school. When I was 18, I didn't want to stay in town. Um, My dad really wanted me to stay in town, but I was at that point, I'd already grown so independent that I was like, no, I'm leaving. And his choice was Cal Lutheran. And I said, okay, let's go. And I actually really enjoyed my time there. So And also it's, you know, now in terms of your paths in terms, you know, being a physician assistant and then also just really integrating energy healing, which do you think in some ways Cal Lutheran really was like a kind of planted some seeds in terms of your integration of spirituality at an earlier time in your life? I think so, because I was required to take religion courses. So I really it opened me up to religion. And, um, at the same time I was taking biology because I really loved biology. And I thought at the time, maybe I would do pre-med and I really liked the combination of the two. And they were really, that school was really, it's a liberal arts college, but they, they really talked a lot about treating the whole person, no matter what you were doing, whether you were a teacher or, or you were in business or whether you were in science, like, because religion was also in, involved in that, it really allowed you to see both sides of the same coin in whatever you were doing. So I went to Catholic school for 12 years from first grade to 12th grade. I actually, we took religion class every day, you know, five days a week. I loved religion class because Mm -hmm. we studied all these different religions. And I really looked at it as you know, opportunities in terms of philosophy too. And it helped me really examine being that kind of self-examination realization really early on in my life. And so as you were talking about it, it just kind of reminded me of like when I was a kid going through religion class, it was one of my favorite subjects and I did get A's in it because I loved it so much. I did too. I love learning about different cultures. I think that's also what sparked my love of travel is really learning about different cultures and their religious beliefs and how that influences each individual 
country and culture and place. And I think it really did spark um, my love of travel. My first, my third year of college, I actually did uh, study abroad where I went and lived in the UK for six months. And I don't know if I would have done that if I would have stayed at home, honestly. Like I think uh, being out on my own and finding my own voice and learning about religion, about different people. And the school that I went to was really, really um, pushed students to go out and travel. That was a big part. Uh, in January, they had what's called interim and you could actually take a class and they would take you to different countries to learn as you were going. So if you were taking Russian art, they would take you to Russia. Or if you were learning Norwegian uh, history, you would go to Norway for a couple of weeks. So it really instilled in me that love of travel and desire to see other cultures and try different foods and meet different people. And the more I did that, the more I realized we're all pretty much the same, just different just different suits, different avatars, but really uh, the same in the core. So I love that you, um, in terms of spark of joy, which sometimes when I'm working with clients and I ask them like, what brings you joy? There can be a real confusion because they don't really know what brings them joy. Mm -hmm. And I often will ask like, well, what about from childhood? You know, in terms of what did you enjoy in any pro any, any timeline process, you know, mm -hmm. from like, elementary school, high school, if you went to college or, or whatever. And you've already said it in terms of bringing you spark of joy, where, you know, early on you discovered how, you know, sports brought you joy. And then you discovered in terms of when you had the opportunity for the knee opportunity for health, you then were on that crossroads of like, okay, I have to look beyond the surface. Mm -hmm. And that then, you know, in terms of that opportunity, you know, your dad, um, which is interesting too, being in a household where there may have been fear for your dad where, oh my gosh, she's going to go to a big college, UCLA. And in his heart, he may not have been saying it, but he may have been thinking, God, I really want her to go to a, you know, a smaller school, Cal Lutheran. That would be really great. And I'd feel really good about sending my daughter out in the world to this place that I know. Um, and it, and through this knee opportunity, you really got to explore beyond the surface instead of just being an automatic, like an automatic place of like X, Y, Z, you know, I go to college, I'm going to go to just do sports in college. Instead, early on, you learned you love sports, you went to this university that you fell in love in terms of religion, as well as biology. And then you got out of college and you were able to you know, become a physician, a, a, you know, a physician assistant. And yep, from yep. there, you then started integrating the energy healing work and started studying that. So what I want to talk about and just share with people, it doesn't have to be like one thing, because sometimes I feel like people get stuck in a box, or they're not able to career transition, mm -hmm. because they get so stuck, like this is what I'm supposed to do. And in my mind, I sometimes feel like that's kind of old paradigm. And what we're learning is how can you follow the energy? And then in your human, how do you then, if you're getting caught in like, oh my God, that's not what I'm supposed to do, but yet I feel drawn to it. What kind of tools from your own experience has helped you along the way in terms of your ebb and flow? I think it's very interesting when you look back, like what is your soul's quote unquote mission here and what's your soul's desires and what they want to do for fun. I think we, a lot of times, myself included, we get caught up in, well, what's my soul's mission? What am I meant to do while I'm here? 
And the reality is you're meant to raise the vibration. You're meant to love the collective. You're meant, you're meant to nurture and love um, mother earth and how you choose to do that is really through the thing that brings you joy. And it doesn't have to be the thing that you do for money. People get caught up in, oh, I'm a healer. I'm an empath. I have to find out a way to make money doing that. No, you can make money being a carpenter or an electrician, or you can work at a convenience store. You can be a cleaning lady. And through that work and how you interact with people is you're actually fulfilling your soul's mission. And I think we get so caught up on like the identity of what we're supposed to be doing and how that looks, which I think taps into the egoness of it and of spirituality. Um, but I think how you're actually living it in everyday life, minute by minute, hour by hour is truly your soul's mission. So I'm a healer. I know that's my mission while I'm here. Um, to my core, I know that's what I'm meant to do. But how does that look in my everyday life? Um, I work in medicine. One, um, on my off days and after hours, I do Reiki healings or I do crystal healings or I do energetic healings. Okay, great. But I also am kind to people I see on the street. And you can heal somebody on the street by smiling at them, by giving them a head of nod head and saying, hey, what's going on? How's your day? Even people you don't know, to them, that casual moment of acknowledgement of their soul of, I see you, I recognize you, I see you, I feel you, that is also healing. That is also being a healer. But I think sometimes as humans, our ego gets in the way and thinks it has to be this grandiose event or grandiose gesture that is what we're meant to do. And that's not it. I think there's in our lives and in a year, there's very few moments that have these extraordinary moments of power, but really where our power is in these little moments every day that actually make change on a cellular level, on a minute level. And those are the things we have to tap into to get us through to the actual big events. Because if we wait around for the big events, we're going to feel frustrated. Like we're not doing anything. We're not fulfilling our purpose. Why are we here? What are we doing? And I think that's why a lot of people get depressed or anxious or frustrated because they're looking for those big events when really you probably did 50 kind things today. You just don't recognize it and you don't acknowledge it. So then how do you support people to recognize like staying in the present moment? Like that is actually the grandiose of beingness because this mm -hmm. small moment, which seems small, is actually the great moment because you've learned how to embody your light. Correct. Um, I think it takes work and effort. It's not something it comes easy to most people. I think most people, especially in this country, are very goal-oriented, detail-oriented, there's a plan, you have to work to get there and then that's the reward. And I think that it's really about just taking stock at the beginning of the day. You know, I ask in my morning prayers, you know, how may I be of service? You know, please let me be of service today in any way, shape or form. And then before I go to bed, I just think about my day and I think, wow, you know, I hope I, I, hope I caused joy or happiness or at least acknowledgement. Uh, to souls that need it out there, myself, including, you know, like I hope someone did something for me that was, you know, beneficial for me. And I just take stock on a day-to-day -day basis of the little things that I do. And I give myself credit for the little things that I do. 
not in a conceited way, but like, wow, okay, that was significant. Gratitude work. Correct. You know, like either you can do a gratitude journal or you, you know, what I used to do, I, I haven't done it in a while, but just before I go to bed, just thinking of five things that I'm really grateful for today, you know, or think of five things that you, you're grateful that you did that day or five things that you're grateful that conversations you've had with people that day. And it can be very simple like that, but gratitude builds gratitude and gratitude builds love. And if you can get into that, that flow of gratitude and of, of really looking in your life in a minute level and saying, wow, I did 15 really amazing things today. And none of them were like over the top. They were just particles that when you put them together, it's amazing. And it could be a small thing where you held open a door for somebody who needs the door open. Something as simple as that. I even give myself credit when I'm driving and I'm at a, a stop sign and somebody wants to go in front of me. I'm like, go ahead. Like I count that because, you know, in driving in LA, it's everybody's trying to get to their place yeah. as fast as they can. And just allow me allowing somebody to have 10 seconds to pull in front of me. Great. They appreciated it. Perfect. You know, and I'm hoping that that karma and that, that working will I'll also allow that back to come back to me. You know, that's the thought of karma is the, what we put out is what we receive. And I think that's how, if everybody were to do that, that's the domino effect of what we're looking for, for this collective rising of consciousness. It's not going to be one person realizing waking up and then everybody else wakes up. It's really the little small things that everybody does every day that allows your neighbor to pause and think, wow, I wonder what Henry's doing that makes her so happy. She's always so happy and kind. I wonder what her practice is. And then that opens the door for you to, to talk about your spiritual practice. And maybe that person takes a piece or two, what you do and and find some other things from some other healers. And then they start doing it. And that's truly the domino effect that we're looking for to creating a more healthy and loving and supportive environment. So you've mentioned a few words. So let's just talk about some definitions. How would you define soul? Well, (laughs) that's an easy question to to get through. Um, To me, the soul is the essence of who I am. It, it can change from lifetime to lifetime, the appearance, but it's who I am naturally, who I was born to be. Um, and it, it transcends all time. It's not me now. It's part of me at this moment. And then you also mentioned human as avatar. So mm-hmm. can you describe the human and then talk about in terms of the human and the connection to the soul, how uh, we'll get more into it, but. We'll start. Yeah, I think it really just depends on if you believe in, in reincarnation, which I do. Um, I believe that we choose each individual body, uh, the people that we are around, um, for our certain souls lessons and our souls expansiveness. So for me, I chose to be in a female body. I chose to be a gay female. I chose to be born on a specific date at a specific time. In addition, you know, we have um, what we call like the human avatar spirit, which is the aspect that has had lifetimes here on earth. That is more so what people would consider your personality um, and how that works together with your soul, because our souls are so huge and so expansive that there's just no way to fit it all down into this little human body, right? 
so we have to we have to get these little suits, these little avatars to contain our energy. So a lot of times when people say, oh, my energy is just so through the roof, like it's true. It is through the roof. And if we weren't contained in these bodies, we would be shorting out, you know, all the electricity, all the electrical outlets in our house and all the street lamps and all the, you know, the stop, the stop lights, everything. So for me, the avatar is actually the, the physical suit that I have decided to embody this lifetime to learn my lessons, whatever soul lessons, my soul wants to experience. This is the body it's going to experience them in. And my avatar spirit is my personality that I've chosen this lifetime. Um, my mental brain, you know, emotional body, physical body. So then in terms of the experience of the avatar, the human, in terms of the direct relationship with the soul. So say if a person is in low vibrational frequency, what is the connection with their soul? Well, I always checked and I'm sure you do the same thing. I always check to see what percentage of the soul is actually in the body. So this is now Carol's talking about dosing energy healing, where you can actually measure um, different things. And one of the protocols that you can measure is like she just said, asking about the soul. So that's what I want to talk about. Cause sometimes I feel like there is, um, there's some myths about the soul that, mm -hmm. that the soul's always within the body. But if you're in a low vibrational frequency, then you may be disconnected from the soul, mm -hmm. which can kind of be also be jarring for the human. I remember when I first heard that, I was like, say what, mm -hmm. what, what do you mean? Right right <laughs> which then triggered my belief system i'm like oh my god i'm not being a good girl uh oh right. all my catholic stuff came up <laughs> and it's not like your soul abandoned you sometimes the souls just need a respite you know sometimes souls have had difficult experiences in their life in their incarnations and sometimes you know your avatar spirit and your soul can have disagreements about how they want to learn their lessons and so sometimes the soul just kind of takes a little respite. It doesn't abandon you. It doesn't leave you. It's just not fully within you. It's not fully present. It's almost like they've picked the autopilot button and you're still there and you're still able to communicate with your soul, but they've basically been on autopilot. And so you're not getting the answers that you, you want back. So who's then in charge? That's the next question. Is Who it is in charge? Body? Yeah, let's talk about that. body, emotional body. Is it your ego? Is it avatar spirit? Like who's driving the bus? Like that's all, that's the analogy I always say is like, who's driving the bus? Somebody's driving the bus. Everybody's in the bus. We always want the soul driving the bus because the soul always takes the safest route to get everybody there on time and safe. Ego might take the quick route and you're in a bus and they're going 150 miles an hour and nobody has a seatbelt on. You know, emotional body may take the long way around because it's scared of any potholes. And you'll get to where you're going, but it's going to take you a long time because they're scared, you know, and mental body may look and say, well, this is the shortest route, but you're going to go up and over a mountain and it's not going to be super safe either. So I always look at um, who's driving the bus is soul present. Who's driving the bus? Because at any given point, anybody of those of those aspects of self could be driving the bus. And so we always want to figure out who's driving. Is it the safest route? Is it, you know not the quickest, but also not the slowest. And who's is it for the highest good? Is, yeah. Is it for the highest good? And is it in the highest good for everybody? Mm -hmm. And people always ask me, well, how do I know who's driving the bus? And I just say, ask. And depending on the answer, how they answer it is going to tell you. Cause if you say, okay, 
I have to make this decision and I'm not feeling great about it. What, what do we think about this? And if the answer comes back, yeah, I think that's great. I think everybody would benefit from that. I think it's the highest and best good for everybody involved. Yeah, perfect. Soul's giving it. But if ego's like, well, what's the pay and what am I going to get out of it? And, and how long am I going to have to be there? And what's the, what's in it for me? That's probably an ego-based decision. And you want to think very carefully about doing something that's solely ego-based. So sometimes all you got to do is ask, you know, we free forget to ask the simple question. And then how can you tell someone to differentiate how it feels when it's a soul given answer? You know, I always say that the soul is like that grandmotherly soft touch of like, you should just go this way. Not going to be demanding, not going to be angry. It's just going to be like a nice warm hug. Like somebody comes up around you and just says, Hey, you know, I think this is probably the best thing for everybody. And you're going to feel like this warm, cold, I mean, this warm hug that comes around you and you just feel safe and you just know the answer is yes. There's no need to convince anybody. Everybody's on board. Everybody's happy. Grandma's just giving you a cookie. Everything's right in the world. You're good. When you've made a decision out of, of, let's say the emotional body and you're doing something because it's fear, you're going to feel that fear in your body, right? You're going to feel that anxiety, the heart palpitations, sweatiness. You're going to feel that chest tightness that, oh my God, I have so much energy. I have to walk, you know? And maybe with ego, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Uh, and it's that almost not rage-like, but that high, high energy of uncontrolled. It's even above anxiety. It's just this not rage, but this high energetic frequency that most people don't like to live in for long periods of time. Yeah. It's kind of like an assertive energy. That's yeah. um, kind of aggression sometimes in there. Yeah. It feels very selfish. Mm -hmm. And so if you're making a decision, your body's like, Oh, and you start to think, well, what about, and you get this, mm, no, no, that's usually ego, you know? And so how, cause some, what about like interference when it's not per se, one of the emotional, mental, physical mm -hmm. bodies, what about interference and what is interference? What does that mean in terms of the human experience? Um, I think that could be a whole show in its of, of itself. Interference. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, um, I think interference could be from any, you know, from anything. And so I think that's why it's really important to take time and really know what your soul's voice sounds like, because it could be shadow work coming up. It could be interference from, you know, uh, like we were just, I was just talking to a client about, um, non-beneficial psychic cords and how you have those with people and how it's just an unhealthy relationship with the, between the two of you, most likely from past life and how you have to really cut those cords in order to have just a true loving connection between each other. And so that's where the dousing is really important because you can run through those questions and say, is this interference from X, Y, and Z? And, and if you're just getting all no's and you get that soft, kind, thoughtful, yes, then it's a yes. And, and I don't know how much more you have to really look for interference, but if you're not getting that, then that's where the investigative work of interference should come into play. So what you brought up, um, non-beneficial psychic cords, what does that mean? Define that so, if you can. So let's say for you and I, let's, let's take it for you and I. So let's say last lifetime, you and I were friends, we were buddies. 
something happened to you and <clears throat> I felt like it was my fault. And you, of course, blamed me because it's my fault, right? You were in victimhood, so you blame me. It's all Carol's fault. This wouldn't have happened except for you. Okay, so now you and I have that non-beneficial psychic cord that I feel responsible for your actions and you're the victim. Now, we incarnate Henry and Carol. We're no longer these other two people. And we meet each other and we become friends because, wow, I know your soul. I feel very comfortable with you. There's something about you. I feel like I know you. Let's hang out. So we start hanging out. We're friends. And we go, we're hanging out at the coffee shop and you forget to put money in the meter. So you get a ticket. How that will come out in your relationship is Carol, you said we were only going to be here 30 minutes. So I only put 30 minutes in the meter. Now I got a parking ticket. Now I have to pay parking ticket because of you, because you said we were only going to be here 30 minutes. And now I'm, I did wrong. I said 30 minutes, but you're the victim. You weren't taking responsibility for your own timer, right? So that's how it would present itself in a real life situation. So in my work, I have to go in and say, wow, do I have any non-beneficial psychic cords with Henry? And the dousing, you know, pendulum goes, yes, you do. You have one big one. And I say, well, is there a lesson to be learned in there? What is the lifetime? And they say, yes, there's a lesson to be learned there. What is it? And so I, in my investigator's cap, put that cap on and I say, well, what's the lifetime? And I see the lifetime that happened. And I say, well, what's the lesson to be learned? And they say, well, Henry needs to learn that she's responsible for herself and her actions and her consequences. And you need to learn that um, people are responsible for themselves. You don't have to be codependent. People are responsible for themselves. So then I asked, hey, can we cut this psychic cord between Henry and I? So I find Henry's soul and I say, hey, Henry, can we cut this cord? Because I don't like the dynamics it's, it's perpetrating in this lifetime. And you say, yes, great. So I take some karmic scissors and I cut that psychic cord and I ask that only beneficial psychic cords can tether Henry and I. So now what do Henry and I have left? Henry and I have left love and support and friendship and memories and all the good things that make Henry amazing and all the good things that make Carol amazing. And we love those things about each other. And that's all that's left. The trouble you run into is if Henry says, Henry soul says, no, I'm not done learning that lesson. Henry's very stubborn. She still wants to be a victim. So I don't want She's to really committed to that. And can yeah. you send her $30 for that ticket? Right. <laughs> and so I say, well, you know what? I'm actually done learning my lesson. So I'm sorry, Henry, I'm going to actually cut my end of the cord and I'm going to lovingly put Henry's portion of that cold cord and I'm going to tune it into the divine frequency. So now Henry's have a, has a divine frequency to allow her time to work on that non-beneficial energy. So as long as, however long it takes Henry working with the divine to work through that issue is Henry's, but I'm no longer tethered to Henry, but I've been kind enough as a soul to not just cut it and dangle it and let some weird random soul come by and pick it up. And then Henry starts playing this out with some other soul. No, because I love Henry. I'm going to, I'm going to put it into the divine. So now Henry can choose to let that go with the divine, or she can keep playing it out. But that relationship with me and Henry, that scenario doesn't come up anymore. Now it sounds easy, but if you've been friends with somebody for 30 years, just because you cut that cord, doesn't mean your habits are going to change. Sometimes it's about habits, not just cutting cords. And so when Henry and I, let's say we're a new friendship, it's easier because we don't really have that history. And then we cut it. And then miraculously that doesn't happen anymore. We're like, oh, wow. 
It's great. She's no longer a victim with me. She's a victim with other people, but I don't really have that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why you sort of have those relationships with people where they're like, oh, that person's always a jerk to everybody else but me. Well, you don't have that psychic cord with them. Mm -hmm. So that's why non-beneficial things is so important in relationships, in work, in the collective. And you brought up another point too in terms well first of all i'd say henry and carol i hope also carol released that guilt too because she was carrying some guilt with that codependency sister friend (laughs) let's clear that up and then i hope henry too sister i hope you're done with that please let's be done with that so i can be in that net neutrality right um so i you brought something else up though in terms of habits and Mm. i think sometimes with energy work where you know someone gets really confused like wait but we cleared that it's like Yes, we did, but yes and no, <laughs> because right. that's where the investigation comes in, the realization aspect where we are multidimensional and we are living this, you know, human experience where things can be imprinted. So if you have a 30 year relationship, you can, you know, when you're ready, those non beneficial psychic cores can be cleared. That being said, the human also has a spirit. And so there may be an imprint of a pattern or a habit. So then how do you, how would you talk about that? And how do you work with your clients on that? I think that's why it's always really important before I do any type of big clearings. I have, I call what's called a board meeting. Everybody comes into a board, uh, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, avatar, spirit, everybody's in their ego, soul, everybody. And we have a negotiation just like in a business room. And we say, hey, I'm going to cut this non-beneficial psychic cord with Henry. I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be codependent. You know, Henry doesn't want to be a victim. Does anybody have any objectives to me cutting this cord? Because I think that's where you can get yourself into trouble. Because soul is always going to say, yes, I don't want this anymore. It's not to my highest potential. But what if mental body is still on board? Mental body, Carol still likes being codependent, still likes being the person that is in charge of other people, right? So that's where I have to make sure when we're doing clearings that everybody is on board. And sometimes it's a negotiation tactic. Well, what do you need to have in order to get on board? What does mental body really want in order to be on board? And sometimes they'll tell you, or sometimes they'll just tell you, well, I'm not really on board and there's nothing you can give me right now. So that's when you ask divine to come in and shower the mental body with divine light and love and protection. You still cut the psychic cord, but then you have to be aware that mental body is not really on board. So then we have to um, get tools in place to say, well, what can I do resources in the 3d that will help mental body get on board to this? So you can read a book, you can read Codependent No More, you can go to Al-Anon meetings, you can go to codependency meetings. All of those things are tools in the 3D that are gonna help the mental body understand why we're doing what we're doing. Even though it was reluctant in the beginning to actually cut the cord, they will in turn get on board if you give them enough tools. So if you've done all that, and let's say actually everybody is on board from the very beginning, then you want to do the clearing of anything in all time and all places in the past, present, and future when you're clearing those things. So when we clear it, we're not just cutting it, we're clearing it and we're clearing everything surrounded with it. And then we're still also doing the 3D tools. So when, as you're clearing, you're not just clearing the, cutting the rope, you're actually clearing the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual bodies, all patterns, 
you know, thought processes, programs, anything that was imprinted, and you're asking to be taken back to ground zero to neutrality. At the same time, you're still in the 3D world, you still need the 3D tools. And also with that, I think sometimes, sometimes people can get in caught in impatience of like, why didn't it work right away? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it, noticing the shifts, those, those small shifts. And also too, there can be other things coming in like cosmos energies or things like that, or the moon phases that are going to come and help the human like clear even a greater aspect because the window of opportunity may not be fully there yet. Mm -hmm. Even though you may be asking for something for, for whatever reason, like when you're talking about the mental body not being on board yet, it might be, it could be something in the cosmos energy that there hasn't been something that's supporting completely releasing that not only from present life, but it also could be from generational aspect mm -hmm. because say if somebody had some sort of trauma in terms of, you know, like right now, last couple months, I, I've been working with clients that have had um, traumas coming up from past lives and also maternal paternal lineages from wars, mm -hmm. um, just based on everything that's happening right now in present life. Um, and and so it, and in, I'm finding in some of my sessions, it's not one and done because there is layers from generational aspect coming mm -hmm. in, which is the collective. So can you speak to that in terms of the individual and the collective aspect and how then, how then in terms of the framework that, you know, in one session and then how to support outside of the session, because the energy clearing can be continuing depending on what's happening. I think, um, I think we also have to remember things that are done in the spiritual realm take time to manifest in the human realm. In the spiritual realm, there is no time. It's just an, we construct time. So for them, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll check in with my guides on the other side and they're like, oh yeah, it's right around the corner. It's really soon. And I've come to realize really soon for them could be like 10 years. <laughs> on our time. And I'm like, hmm, we need to get like a transcriber clock thing. Cause that doesn't really, that's kind of bullshitty on my part, but so <laughs> I think you have to remember that, um, that time doesn't exist on the other side. So when something's cleared, it will take a little time to get to the physical, you know, you always feel better after a healing because you're receiving that, that pure divine light, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's been cleared out. We have to give it time. And that's why, you know, a lot of healers just talk about going home and resting and integrating and drinking water and, and giving yourself a couple of days to really integrate the information that you're getting. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of the question because I was, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about something else. Um, go ahead. Uh, about in terms of individual and collective and cosmos and how all these things can be connected. Oh, and that's what I was going to say. Sorry. And I also think that, you know, I see myself as a general contractor. Um, I only do very specific things, but I know a ton of healers in California and outside of California who do other things. And so I think that's why it's really important, especially now in the Aquarian age that we as healers start connecting and working with each other because I'm not great at astrology, but I do know a couple people that do it. So sometimes when people are making decisions about, oh, should I move? Should I not move? Should I take this job? Blah, blah, blah. I can clear it and, and through the divine clear it, but you may need to go see an astrologer to see when the best time, the window of opportunity is. I don't have access to that information because that's not really my forte. There's other people that have that. 
So when you're also talking about clearings, you know, there might be other people that do somatic, you know, release, or they may do different types of healings, you know, um, in regard to like neurofeedback or biofeedback or just other things that can help them integrate the information that I'm giving, because I really just clear and bring in and, and, and I'm able to get information from their guides and my guides and give them information and I can channel, but there's also other healers who have these amazing skill sets. So I think we as healers have to just really open up more and start networking better with each other and being okay, really sending somebody away and saying, Hey, go do this for a couple months and then come back. And I think that's really beneficial for people. And I think our clients have to be okay with trying different modalities of healing that as talented as Henry is, Henry's not the only person and Henry would love it if you went to different people for different things and came back. And, and I'm the same way too. Like I, that's why I don't do follow-up appointments with people. I just say, come back whenever you feel need to come back. Well, I think I too, to be one of the, you know, one of our, you know, teachers, original teachers, OG, mm. um, she really was about that as well. I mean, yeah. I think she really, in terms of coaching us and teaching us, mm -hmm. exploring different modalities, exploring yeah. different modalities, because also, you know, in every given moment, it's a new moment. So what do you really need in this new moment? What are you being called to? And so I did two years of somatic experiencing, you know, based on when I was doing a session with one of our teachers, where it came in where I needed somatic experiences, more body work, where they're holding those touch points to release, you know, dense energy or trauma energy that's been stuck in the body. And it was phenomenal. And I also still did energy healing work with her once a month, but it was all these different modalities that really helped me to heal that whole health. And also too, it just, the more that you're, she, she really brought in like the more that you're curious and open, it also can just help you in terms of your own strengthening your connection. And then you're not really relying per se on just one person because it's about yeah. going within and connecting into yourself and your, you know, your inner healer. And I agree with you that it is really about, you know, the networking and building the strength of our own collective, if you will, and not just making it about like one person because we are in a new age. And in the mm -hmm. new age, it isn't just about one teacher per se, one healer per se. It is really about people learning the tools themselves and understanding their inner guidance. So when we talk about tools, you know, uh, Nicole used to talk about- um, Nicole was our, is our yeah, intuitive sorry. healer, that teacher that worked with us for years. Um, you know, she talks about having a, a, a toolbox, right? The and, tool belt, if yeah. and if you're building a house, there are times where you need a hammer and nail. It's time where you need a saw. There's time where you need to install drywall and you may need some glue or some paint or, or whatever it is you need. Right. And you can't just build a house with just a hammer and nails. It's not going to work. It's not going to be sturdy. It's not going to be insulated. It's not going to be pretty. So you really have to get a tool belt that has a variety of tools. And let's say I'm really great at a hammer and nails. Those are, those are the two tools you're going to get from me, hammer and nails, you know, maybe a mallet, you know, I don't know. And Henry, you're going to get some beautiful paint and a paintbrush and, you know, really creative and just beautiful decor. Right. But you need both of us, you know, and maybe there's somewhere out there that does knows how to do install drywall. And maybe there's someone out there that knows how to install your AC unit. So you're not so hot. And 
all of those tools are going to make you have the most beautiful house, you know, which is basically yourself and your experiences in this world and creating the life that you love, whatever you love, whatever that life looks like for you. But you can't just rely on me and you can't just rely on Henry because it's not going to be an amazing house if you're just coming to see me. I want you to have that amazing, beautiful house, but that's going to require you having different healers than just myself. So, and I think we as healers also have to recognize our limits as well and not let our egos get involved and say, well, I can help this person. I know how to do it. And that, yes, we can all be proficient in the things that we do, but not every healer is proficient in every aspect of every healing modality. There was a moment when, um, you know, since I was a child, I had, you know, I could connect and talk to my guides. And there was a moment though, when I was being called to, um, really just open up even more beyond Catholicism. And it was really difficult for me because I, um, it was also letting go of the identity of like my community, what's going to happen in terms of my family. I was raised really Catholic. What's going to happen? Are my parents going to get really mad at me? It's okay if I learn about other religions in the context of Catholic school. But if I'm now being called to go I don't know, go and meditate with Buddhist monks or go check out this temple. Uh-oh, I'm really, you know, I'm really braving a new front now. And it was really scary because I I think I was 22 at the time and it was really scary for my human because it was a it was kind of that new path and terrain that I was going through and so my guides would come in, my higher self would come in almost cheerleading me where like, it's like, you're okay. And so that was a affirmation that I got when I was a child, like to say, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. To support me moving through, um, scary situations that my human was kind of up in arms about. And the thing is, the more that I kind of became curious and opened myself up and let those old identities away, the easier the flow that I was in. And so I bring this up because just in you explaining or sharing about, you know, encouraging people to learn about different modalities, you know, also being open to seeking out different healers. I just think that's something that you might, you might you might have an attachment to one person, which understandable because in the human experience, we can really get, um, feel really close and connected. That being said, it doesn't mean that that connection is going to go away yet. Right. Just letting yourself be broadened and open up even to more because it's really about your inner healer having the confidence to move forward, to have the confidence in the stability and right. What do you, what tools do you use for yourself and tell your clients when they're getting caught in that kind of fear that then can help them, um, progress and not stay stuck in fear and get paralyzed by it? Um, <clears throat> I can speak to myself, you know, I would see Nicole for a long time and then she just said, baby bird, it's time. It's time for you to go out and fly and get other tools and I'll always be here. And she kicked me out of the nest and I was kicking and screaming and uh, nobody's going to understand me like you do. We have this whole history. Why are you doing this? And I fought it for a moment. And then I went to this amazing um, store in California called House of Intuition as soon as they first opened. 
And I met some amazing people there, a Reiki teacher who ended up giving me my, my Reiki attunements to be um, a Reiki master. I met Dom, who is this really amazing sound bath guy. And I went there every day, for like every Tuesday for like an entire year. And I built up this community and I built up all these different tools and things that I didn't even really realize I needed and wanted because I was kicked out. Right. And then six, seven years passed and something came in my life recently and I needed some clarity on, and I went back to Nicole and it was like, we picked up right where we left off. And it wasn't, it wasn't like we had to reconnect and talk and figure out, it was just like, no, no, we're back here. But I think it enriched our relationship because I had a better understanding of what are the tools I had access to. And it made her job counseling me easier because now I have all these other experiences to pull from and different tools. And she can tell me, Hey, listen, you've got this tool over here that you're forgetting about. Like, why don't we start using that tool? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I can call Dom for a sound bath. That is something that I can do that. I feel really good about. So whenever you feel that fear, I think that's just your soul telling you, Hey, it's, it's time to grow. It's time to expand. And the mind wants to keep you safe, wants to keep you where you're at, you know, to be with the person that, you know, that you can trust and, and have that relationship every Tuesday, I'm going to do this. But the reality is your soul, that's your soul speaking to you and saying, Hey, it's time to grow. It's okay. I got you. And we have to just breathe in that fear and just take that step. Not that we're going to go off the cliff and someone's going to catch me. Cause I hate that analogy, but I think when you are ready and you're having that fear, what I tell people is ask for your teachers to show up for you. Ask for your next teacher to come and you'll be walking down the street and you'll do exactly what I did. And you'll see a flyer for house of intuition and you'll go there and you'll meet somebody and you'll look in their eyes and be like, wow, you're going to be my teacher. The moment I met Amy Bella, who is my Reiki teacher, the moment I met her, I was like, she's the one I'm going to do amazing things with this woman. And I did. And I think it's because I asked for my next teachers to show up for me. I didn't just blindly go out there and say, Oh, I hope the universe brings somebody. No, what we forget as humans is that our guides on the other side are not allowed to help us and intervene unless we ask. we are sovereign beings. We have the right to free will. That's why we came here. So until you ask for help, they're not always going to give it to us. We have to ask. We have to ask for our next teacher. We have to ask for support. We have to ask for the things that we need. Even when we don't know what it is that we need, we know we need something. And so ask for your next teacher and just breathe through that fear. One of the most important things I learned, um, I was listening to a talk and it said, what you're feeling is real, but is it true? You're having fear. You're having anxiety. Yes. Those are true physiological experiences. Your heart is rating. You're sweaty. You're nervous. Whatever it is you're thinking, it's real. Of course. But is it true? Oh, if I don't go see this healer, my life is going to fall apart and I'm going to regress. And, and I'm just, Henry's the only one that knows me that only one can help me. And, and I'm just going to fall apart without Henry. You are feeling that it is real, but it's not true. As soon as you call for another healer, another person, another uh, avenue of healing, it's going to show up for you. Guaranteed. 
So with that, you mentioned Reiki. So what is the differences in your mind? How would you describe Reiki and dowsing and how, what are the benefits for each? So Reiki, um, for me, how I like to say is like, I'm a piece of bamboo and I am attuned with certain signals for healing, for, um, working with people. I tap into the divine through my guides. And I ask for what's the highest and best good for this person. What support can I lend this person? What healing can take place today? What is the personal comfortable with? And so I'm almost like a piece of bamboo Then I allow the divine to come through me and in through my body, out through the body into that person. So it's almost like, and I, I'm not sure about you, but I, I always ask people if they're comfortable with touch. I do like to feel touch because I think people can feel it a little bit better through their bodies, but people that are not comfortable with touch, um, it also works. So the energy moves through me from the divine through that person. It's not me giving the energy. I'm not doing anything except for being a conduit. And you're talking about Reiki? Reiki. And so as the person is there, we can clear out any old stagnant energy and we can send that up to the divine. At the same time, we can send the divine's healing energy to soothe or to comfort or to heal. So to me, that's a very physically, that's more of a physical, emotional experience. The dowsing I can do, and I can do Reiki from anywhere, but I, I prefer to do it close hand on hand. The Reiki is more about using a pendulum to increase or decrease frequencies or energies or for clearings. And we can do that for a land. We can do it for a house. We can do it for a business, a home. And it's more about, I find it be, it's more specific. Reiki is an overall general healing, but for me, dousing with the pendulum and being able to get specific numbers of things. So we were talking earlier about, um, is the soul presence in and what, what percentage is it in with the dousing and the way the, the dousing chart is set up, it's almost like a sundial each quadrant being, you know, zero to 10. And I can ask what percentage of their body is in 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. That gives me information to figure out how to clear whatever's going on with the person and then increase the frequency back up to hundred percent. Whereas I think Reiki is more of an overall arching of clearing things out. Yes. You can specifically look on one part of the area, but I typically don't get percentages when I'm doing Reiki, I get an overall, their soul is in their soul is out. How can we get it back in? You know, how can we clear things? Whereas dousing to me is a little bit more specific to things I'm working with. So if I say for Reiki, like it's a good home, like it's a good vacuum, like a good home <laughs> vacuum, whereas dousing is kind of like the rotor rooter where you right. send out your rugs for professional cleaning. Right. <laughs> where Reiki's great for just a real great general clearing. Right. You want a real deep cleaning, cleansing, get a dousing session. Because okay. <laughs> I feel like in some ways you, you go to Costco where Costco is this large warehouse where you can buy in bulk, but you also can be very boutique and specific, unique mm -hmm. as well. And it's just, I don't know, I mean, Reiki's amazing for me for lifestyle. And I love doing Reiki sessions for people, whether it's, um, I generally do remote sessions, whether it's remote, um, you know, or not, but, uh, dousing, I find that dousing for me personally, and just 
um, and also with my clients, I've just seen some huge transformation. And I've had, I remember my first dousing session with um, Carol and I also worked with the same master teachers and, you know, with Kay, one of our master teacher, mm -hmm. dousing teachers, my first session after dousing, I was like, oh my God, like I'm in peace presence. Like mm -hmm. I literally, for the first time in my life, I was, and I've meditated for years. I was like, this is, I'm in net neutrality zero. I'm like, I'm in that, that mm -hmm. peace energy. I'm like, this is amazing. And I didn't have any monkey mind. I was like, I am so present. And it was just one of the most phenomenal experiences of my life. And, you know, and you were the one who was first like, Henry, there's this new thing that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime we're doing something, it's like, oh my God, guess what I found? What new modality? And I was like, Carol, this is amazing. I'm like the dousing drug dealer. I'm like, Henry, <laughs> do you want a free sample of the dousing? Yeah. I remember when I first started doing dousing, the they would come over for like six, eight hours to teach us how to do different things. And then on my days, not doing it, I would be doing it for like four or five hours without eating or drinking. I was totally in the zone. And, and I think when you find the thing that you are really comfortable with, that you align with that, that really taps into the way your brain thinks and your mental mind, like that's why every healer is different. And that's why you have to try different things. Cause you really find out what you're acutely and naturally gifted towards, mm -hmm. you know, I may, I think, I think sound healing is amazing. I love it. I cannot carry a tune for the life of me. I don't read music. Like I'm so enamored by Dom because Dominic is an amazing sound healer. Yeah. He's here in LA. Um, but I could not do it. But if my ego were in charge, I'd be like, well, I'm going to be a sound healer. No, like <laughs> I'm going to leave that to, to him and other people that are naturally gifted that way but I can appreciate it and I can send people to him and I can go myself. But I think that's where we also have to be um, aware of how our spiritual ego can get in the way too, of I want to do this, or I think this is an easy way. This is the easier way to make money. And this is where all the money is like, no, you got to stick with what you're, you're naturally good at and what you're in most alignment with in your servicing of and helping of others. What's interesting is when I first started taking classes for dousing though, I was like, Oh, I could feel intuitively I could do it, yet my pendulum, it was like, it was kind of like, I, I equate it to like Harry Potter with the wand where mm. it didn't really feel like it was working. It was like, like it wasn't working <laughs> very well. And with our teacher, I kept saying to Kay, I'm like, oh, something, oh, something's going on. I don't know what. And I ended up having a past life where I was a dowser and something happened in that past life that does yeah that had put a block on it and so then um once we did the investigation and it was cleared it was amazing i was like oh my god it's working effortlessly now mm -hmm. so i would say you know if somebody is drawn to dousing then in in there is some sort of block there that you feel like wait why isn't it working Mm -hmm. That's where you can do investigation too, to see. Correct. So that being said, um, okay, I know that we've been going over a little bit. Is there some sort of energy healing meditation that you can take us through? Um, sure. Let's close our eyes. Three deep breaths.
We call in our guides and gurus. We call in the white light team, ascended masters. We bring forth the energy healing team. I ask those who are listening now and in the future, who are struggling with something, physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, to place it in your hands as a, either as a thought or an image, a word. If you can't find that thought or image or word, then just think about what it is you're struggling with and ask for awareness of what it is. We ask the divine to come into our presence to lovingly and carefully take whatever we have in our hands, to take it from us, transmute it, send it back to the white light. And if we feel resistance to this, we ask for awareness to be brought forth as to why there is resistance. Knowing that we no longer have to take any burdens, carry any burdens. That we can lovingly release all that would no longer serves us. All that is preventing us from our highest and best good. That is preventing us from our innate joy and love and ability to manifest and create the life to which we deserve and love and want and cherish. As the divine takes it from your hands, place your hands over your heart in gratitude for your team who has shown up for you who lovingly supports you all day, every day, every second of the day, for the divine who shows up for you when you ask, when you're called, who will relieve you of any burden, but knowing it's our responsibility to ask for the healing, to ask for the help, to ask for support, to know that we are divinely led and divinely gifted and divinely supported. We ask the divine to wrap us in a white or golden light, whichever you prefer, wrapping us from head to toe in love and support, allowing its energy to seep through us. And we connect with each other supporting each other, loving each other, wishing the best for each other. We give gratitude for our team for showing up. We give gratitude for the divine. And we give gratitude for ourselves for showing up for our own healing, knowing that we are worthy of healing and that we are worthy of love and support. knowing that when we show up for ourselves every day, every moment, that we create the life to which we deserve.
We feel worthy. We feel love and we feel supported. And if there's anything you wish to say to the divine or to your team, you may take the opportunity to say it now. Words like, thank you. I am worthy. I am loved. You are always here for me. I know I am supported. And we take a big deep breath. We breathe in that gold light. And we open our eyes in three, two, one, our feet securely tethered to the ground. Mother Earth supporting us as she always does. Knowing that right now, in the here and now, at this moment in time, all is well. Thank you. That was beautiful. Definitely felt a shift. Awesome. So if anybody wanted to get in touch with you for a session, what is the best um, way to do so? Um, you can reach me by email, which is carol, C-A-R-O-L-D-007 at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on here with me. And thank you everyone for joining. Please be gentle with yourself today. And if you feel like you need to rest, allow your body to do so. Practice listening to your body. The healing will continue and the energies will be integrated over the next couple of days. Please drink a lot of water because you will be releasing and we want you to stay hydrated for your health. And remember, everyone has the ability to connect to their self-healer. Activating is key. And please reach out if you have any questions. Would love to hear from you. Much love, light, and Reiki blessings, everyone.